All right, team. Uh, welcome to the EMP show. We're back for another episode yep. after a, a, probably a one year stint. I it's reckon. like season, <laughs> like season, season four. two, volume four. <laughs> yeah. We're back. Um, I'm Prezo. I'm, I'm Mel. And, and today we have a special guest. Nicole. Very special guest. Nicole Davey. Yes. Welcome um, to the EMP show. You've really made it. You've, re- <laughs> you've really. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> Nicole might be the first Olympian. <laughs> We have on the podcast. She is. Well, you really got to check that. She's first Olympia, you reckon? Well, I don't know who we have. we've had who's Olympia. Who have we had? I'm just joking, mate. Okay. Yeah, probably should have. Yeah, probably should have mentioned. Give her a bit of better like drum roll. That's for you. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. How's that been? Not too bad. Wet. Wet. Yeah, very it's very it's horrible. Very wet, here, isn't it? Mm. Very wet. Yeah, rough conditions in Sydney. Um, so Nicole, we want to hear your story. Yes. Um, Nicole is actually the first Olympian we have, the only Olympian yeah. we have in EMP. I know. So it's actually a pretty big deal. Mate, you just lift your game up. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you Walk up for Lebron the rugby league walk up. Oh, nah. Um, no, it's a really, really looking forward to this chat today, actually. It's going to be a quite diverse conversation, I think. Yep. Um, Nicole is a Paralympian. I am a Paralympian. Which is amazing. <laughs> which is amazing. So we're going to go um, through a journey, um, live journey as an athlete, and then for MBN. Yep. Exec manager for media. Yes. Whatever that is, you said. Whatever that means. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Because <laughs> I... I, I there's a funny we need story. A, we need a media mark. I remember walking in and going, she's like, don't back with them. <laughs> don't don't steal the guy. After I was like, holy shit, I'll never mess in the coal. <laughs> so tell us what that is. So, uh, yeah, I work in uh, PR and marketing, basically. And at the moment, I'm at MBN or MBN Co. As people might know it. So the place that gives everyone its internet yeah. around the country. Uh, and I basically look after most of their media relations. So, you know, all the proact- uh, proactive yeah. announcements, um, you know, media inquiries, and I do a lot of other external external campaigns. Yeah. So, um, you know, campaigns that we're running on various different things. So we have a big awards program that I just finished off this week and a few other bits and pieces. So it's good. It's very varied between nice stuff and a lot of issues and, you know, yeah. things breaking. So is that NBN with all providers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So NBN's like the wholesaler and okay. then, you know, you buy it through your Telstra and your Optus and all that okay. sort of stuff. So, yeah. Keeps so your toes. Well, keeps me on my toes. It's very busy. I've only been there a little while, about six, seven months. So, okay. yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. So you work directly a lot with the journos, don't you? Yeah. Actually controlling yeah. everything that comes to the media yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so talk to journalists every day, way too often some days, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, from right across the country. So obviously we're a national national company, so I deal with everyone from kind of, you know, Christmas Island to the, you know, Australian Financial Review yeah. and everyone in between. Yep. They, they definitely listen to you, I think. Sometimes when they publish the wrong things, I get very cranky. Yeah, yeah, well, just you know a little. <laughs> Feel for your husband. Oh, seriously. You need a strong man. You, you do. You do. You do. Um, so we want to backtrack a little bit, okay? So we yep. want to go back from the very start. Yep. Obviously, um, we've said you're a Paralympian. Yep. Um, yep. And through there, we want to talk about you know the condition you were born yep. with, um, Urbis palsy and yep. brachial plexus. Yes. Okay. So. Now, if I sort of explain that in a simple way, yep. you know you you know you can't use your right arm. Yep. yep. 
to the best of your ability. Yep. But um, give us a deeper rundown yep. of what that is. So, um, Herb's palsy and brachial plexus injury can occur. Um, it's an injury that happens, so it's not a congenital condition. Yep. So mine happened at birth. Yep. So I was stuck when I was being delivered yep. um, and got reefed out by my neck. And basically what it means is it's damaged to a group of nerves called the brachial plexus group of nerves yep. in your upper spine. So it runs from sort of your T1 vertebra up to your C5. Yep. Um, some people get brachial plexus injuries from motorbike accidents when they fall, you yeah. know, fall off a motorbike and kind of reef their shoulder, water skiing, things like that. Mine just happened at birth. And there's sort of different grades. So with those nerves that go into your spinal cord, they can be ripped, they can be stretched, they can be pulled out completely, which is called a volst. Um, mine are basically all a volst. So I've got yeah. a very, um, a very, I guess, severe brachial plexus injury and mm -hmm. on the, it's kind of on a scale and essentially that means that my brain can't send messages to parts of my arm to use my muscles so you know on my right arm I can only lift it you know to not even shoulder height but it's not that my arm can't go up because I can lift yeah, my arm yes. up yeah. it's just that my brain can't send a message to my arm to get it all the way up yeah, yeah. and so it affects you know, so some movements I've got but are very slow and they're more the nerves that may have been torn or ruptured a little bit, not fully ruptured. Um, and so, yeah, my movements depend on kind of what damage has been done. My particular injury as well, I've got a little bit of nerve damage a little bit further up the spine as well, away from that brachial plexus, which um, impacts my sight and my hearing a little bit mm. um, on my right side as well and a okay. bit of face droopiness and things like that. So, yep. which you can't really tell, no, but no. in photos you can. I had a droopy eye and my vision and my hearing are impacted. So I actually talk quite loud because you've got to talk to a level that you can hear yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got to say different <laughs> hearing. You say you <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm all right now, just here, but this is not so great. So, so yeah, and look, so I, it was a birth injury for me. So I wasn't, um, yeah, I was fine in the womb, but obviously... I um, the injury occurred when I was born. They told my mum and dad to just chop my arm off <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Yep, that it would just be a piece of dead meat that would rot away. So I'm glad they didn't listen. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I've just I've had it all my life, so I know I know no different. Yeah, is that rare? The it's it's getting rarer. So back, you know, I'm what nearly from 38 this year. So I was a big baby. My mum was a type okay. one diabetic. I should have been a cesarean section. Okay. I wasn't. I got stuck. So it usually occurs from a birth um, sort of complication called shoulder dystocia, which basically just means the shoulder gets stuck during the delivery and they've got to pull, you know, to get the baby out and that damages nerves. And again, it can just vary. Yeah. You know, it can be really, you know, maybe some nerves just get a little bit stretched and then they repair yeah. and a lot of mm. kids that i know are kind of fine you know pretty full function you'd never know yeah. right down to sort of my you know my severity um where you know i don't have really much function at all so yeah it just just sort of depends on what what happens and yeah, how yeah. much you know i've had lots of therapy and lots of surgeries and <laughs> lots of things like that and yeah. to try and get it as good as it can be um but yeah that's just as i said i know no different so it's funny people ask me how do you do this and how do you do that? I yeah, have no well, idea. Well, how do you do it with two hands? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting because obviously um, I was there's a podcast and a, a series about you had the Paralympians mm. and they were talking about you know their injuries and the difference between say someone that was born yeah. your condition that's yeah. always going up with it mm. and then 
someone that sort of has had something happen to them mm. during their life yeah. and how they've dealt with that trauma and how mm. they they see their injuries of identity and who they mm. are and the difference. Did mm. you ever feel like, you know, obviously growing up, mm. did you know like your, you know, yeah absolutely I mean it's you know kids are kids so you know you know very early I was so lucky that I you know my family um are just so fantastic and so my disability was never an excuse or a reason not to do something try something you know um all of that kind of stuff I had parents that advocated for me uh but you know I would make I was always very good at sport and so I'd make you know the team primary school gymnastics team or this team and then they wouldn't let me go to certain carnivals or something like that because they were like oh you're not going to get judged because you can't do the things with two arms and but I had you know my mum would go in there and be like no no (laughs) that's not a reason and so I always grew up in that environment um so I knew you know I knew I was different and it's funny when I get together with my other friends with disabilities there is a certain unspoken bond that you have because you just know you just know what it's like to walk through the world being a little bit different um and that's a really nice connection and but yeah it is interesting when you deal with other people who've acquired their disabilities later in life yeah that's first time we spoke on the phone i was remember as the athlete you're like so i've got something wrong with my arm which (laughs) he spoke it so like it was like oh just like a a bump on your arm, pretty much. And it's a bit more than that is. Like, so can you row? Like, yeah, I can row. I can pull. I can do pretty much most things. I can do it. I was like, oh, sweet. So, you know, we could do everything. to be fine. Yeah. And obviously when you first first yeah. came, I was like, I was taken back by a bit. Not mm. so the injury. And, yeah. But just how, like, it wasn't a big deal to you. And yeah. that's how, like, I even said to most people, like, it's fucking awesome. I see you deadlifting. I'm like, you don't have, you don't have any excuse. And like, no. seriously, you don't have any excuse for anything physical. Mm. And like, me and Luke love training and we love like seeing that. And when I see you're deadlifting like 70 kilos, I'm like, that's fucking mad. That's really <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. And you don't have an excuse to your training. And I think because you're so strong headed in, mm. in a positive way, I mean, it's like nothing really phases you. Just having conversations yeah. about life and stuff. Mm. And I think that's, that's really, really yeah. cool. That's where like, you know, people see your disability, but that's your ability too. Mm. Yeah. You know, and such a, you know, it's such an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to cross back to when, what Mel's question before yeah. was. When you're at school, yeah. did you experience bullying or anything like oh, that? Yeah, all the time. Horrendous, you know, horrendous. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's. I hope it's a bit better for for kids today. I've definitely seen a change in, I guess, disability um, conversations around disability over yeah. the last 15, 20 years. But if you think back to even when we were at school or whatever, you know, disability you know, has been framed as such a bad and negative thing, right? Like the road act, don't do that, you'll end up in a wheelchair. You know, don't dive in here, you'll end up, you know, with your leg bitten off or whatever. It's kind of like disability was like the worst thing that could happen to you apart from dying. (laughs) And that's how disability has traditionally always been framed. And I understand that, but the message that that sends to people is that it is something that you don't want, that isn't very good, that should, should be avoided at all costs. And that opens up, I think, room for people to look at people with disabilities as, you know, less than and not as important than them. That breeds, you know, um, all types of discrimination. So I think, you know, as a person with a disability, often the biggest impacts is not the disability itself. As you pointed out, Mel, I'm fine. (laughs) I live my life. I'm cool. I'm happy. It's dealing with other people's bullshit around it most of the time, to be honest. People's assumptions. Um, 
or you know people making assumptions about me or thinking I will be a certain way or won't be a certain way because because I've I've yeah. got a disability and you know I th- I'd like to think that that is starting to change um, you know and I think things like Dylan Alcott becoming Australian of the year this year and that whole you know inclusive conversation and just looking at disability in a different way it's not something to be pitied it's not something we're not broken yeah. we're just different yeah. you know we're just yeah. different and we've got every right to occupy space as everybody else usually 100 yeah. percent. yeah there's definitely more awareness about it yeah i feel yeah for sure yeah so obviously how when you first touched on you yeah. you are an olympian yes in what sport? In swimming. In swimming? Yes, yes. And what was your stroke? Yeah, I was um, a butterfly. I was my main one, but I did yep. um, quite a number of different events. So I started swimming for therapy, actually, to yep. try and get some movement in my arm. And it wasn't until I was about, coming back to our earlier point about people with disabilities, I, had, I hadn't met, I don't think, another person with a disability until I was you know, well into late primary school. Really? Yeah, because yeah, I grew up mainly in regional New South Wales and it wasn't until... And I'd just done everything that my brothers had done and I'd yeah. been in all the... You know, my mum had put me in netball and soccer and all that kind of stuff with all the able-bodied kids. And I was in the school swimming carnival yeah. and I did really well. And a teacher came up and said, you know, that there's this like thing called the Paralympics. And I was like, no. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I'd never seen it before, never heard of it, never even knew about, um, you know, disabled sport. Yeah. And she, that teacher kind of put me on the path and I went to a state championships and won a silver medal in a 50 backstroke. I think I was 11 or something. And then it just kind of went from there. Went from there. Yeah. The, you know, they sort of someone came over to me at the end of that and were like, you know, who are you and where have you been? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I got involved with the New South Wales Amputees Association and joined their club and just kept swimming and kept training and it just kind of snowballed pretty quickly and I made my first um, Australian school team at 12, I think. Wow. Yeah, and then the Paralympics when I was 15, just before I turned 16. Yeah. What was your training regime for the... Yeah, yeah, pretty. It scaled up pretty quickly. Yeah. Sort of, you know, I made my first world championship team when I was 13 at, in 98, and then Paralympics were in 2000. So those two years were probably the peak peak training. Um, water sessions, it was at least eight to nine sessions a week. So, um, and I'd be swimming, if I was in a heavy training block, I'd be swimming anywhere from, you know, seven to 10 kilometers a day. It's a lot of swimming. It's a lot of swimming. (laughs) I don't think, I think I was mainly a a sprint sort of middle distance athlete. I think they've changed a little bit now where they don't, you know, make those athletes put quite as many Ks in their muscles. (laughs) They do a a lot more cross training. Because you're only really using one arm. So it's like, that's... A lot of swimming. Um, And then, you know, some gym sessions on top of that and um, usually about three of those. Um, a week as well so you know it was a full-time job pretty much I'd definitely be in the water from you know swim from 5 30 till 7 30 eat go to school come back get back in the water at four swim till six and then sometimes i'd do you know an hour hour or so of gym before that as well and then often weekends were um carnivals okay so you know training and then going and racing on the weekends and did you find obviously like you know so professional athlete or mm-hmm. high-end athlete that you know there was no, it was a sort of a, a ceiling. Like there was no, actually you couldn't go on going with the Paralympics or if you as an athlete, it was like, it's like oh, I'm done now. I can't yeah, do more. It was a bit, it was a bit of both. Like I think Paralympic athletes, it's 
back then it was a lot hard because a lot harder because there's no funding and so it's really hard to just be an athlete and not be able to do anything else and so I was kind of at the end of high school and I'm like what do I do now like do I stay at home and keep swimming or do I you know go on to my next sort of adventures at uni or whatever I wanted to do because both of those options weren't really open to me because there wasn't the financial support to be able to do that um and I got uh I had quite a bad shoulder injury um at the end of sort of 2001 um which put me out of the water for a long time and obviously because I swim with one arm so a one you know a shoulder injury on that arm is kind of a big deal uh so yeah I think for me it was just and it's funny I'm not actually a super competitive person. Like, it, it's, really? it's a weird thing to say. I'm not. I'm really not. I love training. Yeah. I love getting the most out of my body and battling, I think, myself mentally. Yeah. But I really couldn't have given a damn how quick I got up and down the pool in comparison to yeah, other people. Like, yeah. And so after, you know, after f- three, four, five years of racing at an elite level, I was just kind of like, I just don't really care yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, but I went and did other things um, and I worked as a coach then for a really long time for probably about four or five years I moved to Canberra to go to uni and I was an assistant coach at a club down there so I stayed in the sport that way but I just never really felt the need to want to go back in and race Um, but I still trained a lot okay so it was funny like yeah I'm just I've never really been driven by I guess the competition side of things and there's a lot of other crap that goes on with elite sport and competition and funding and it's all a bit hunger games yeah (laughs) it just wasn't for me in the end (laughs) it's pretty sad obviously because obviously you know it's probably a smaller portion of the population that you know Mm. would watch paralympics and media coverage which is unfortunate Mm. that's like when it comes down to money but you know paralympic athletes should be you know when you think about it, should get the same amount of money. Well, it was only this last yeah. Olympic, the Olympic Games, that they actually awarded, if you medaled, that they awarded the Olympics and the Paralympic athletes the same money. Yeah. It's the first time that's happened in 2021. Because people like... You know, it's like, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's great. It's great, it's yeah. So it's definitely no, like moving. It's, uh, yeah. It's, but you'll see the Paralympic teams will often be a lot younger than the Olympic teams, and that's why, because people get to a certain point in their life and they want to move on and they feel like they've got to, they can't, they've got to make a decision. Yeah. It's swimming or something else rather than being able to swim and study or, you know, because I had, to, if I wanted to study, I had to work and I couldn't work and yeah. study and swim. Trained, yeah. So it was just, Life yeah. A day. Yeah, exactly. So after I uh, decided to finish up, were you, you always like school? Were you quite that kind of <laughs> Not at all. I went to, uh, I was always pretty good at school, but I didn't spend a lot of hours there, yep. to be honest. But I did kind of buckle down in my last couple of years. I grew up in a place called Tamworth in regional New South Wales, which I was desperate to leave. So in my, um, in my stubbornness, as you pointed to before. How many music festivals you go to? Oh, too many, too many. Um, I, I applied myself, I guess, to studying in the same way that I, to training. Like I had a goal, my goal was to get out. I needed a certain mark, you know, in my studies to be able to get a uni place. And so that that's what I did. And I did really, really well. 
Um, and then I went to uni and just partied for two years. Party. <laughs> one of the piss in Canberra. Oh, all, all, all the Raiders. All those years of training. Was <laughs> cool yeah, it was just like that. Out the window. Um, yeah, out the window. Just absolutely let my hair down, you know, scraped through. Yeah. Like, absolutely, like, you know, with the mantra, peas get degrees, you know. Peas, yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, then, um, but then buckled down in my last year um, and, yeah, did a little bit better and was able to get a grad into a grad program and stuff like that after uni so that was um that was helpful but yeah and stayed in the sport through through coaching me you're in mm. so then you worked your way up through the whole thing or yeah. did you want to yeah so i graduated from uni and and went um got into sort of like a like a grad program uh in in canberra i did that for a little bit and then i went overseas for five years so I went to New York, I went to London, I went to Canada for a while, went back to London. Five years, <laughs> yeah. yeah, about mm. four or five years. I came back to Australia, I think, for a little bit, a few months in between here and there. Um, and it was great. And that really, you know, I didn't really have a career plan, but I've always, I've always had a really good work ethos. And I think yeah. that's the thing with any kind, anything that you apply yourself to, you'll get better over time. And yeah opportunities will come up if you put the work in and so you know I, I always worked hard I've always worked hard and um I just you know would take take a job or take a contract and do well and get promoted and that's just kind of been the trajectory of my career I've never had a career plan I've never really had a you know I, I've I've just known what I like to do and what I love to do and what I'm good at um I work hard I lean into opportunities I say yes even when I'm terrified yeah. uh you know I've just say yes and figure it out later yeah, yeah. it's kind of my, my mantra did you find it obviously you know it's not something you you know you're honestly reasonably high up mm. in what you do did you find those a lot of just discrimination firstly female yep and then obviously with disability yeah. that you think absolutely like i remember distinctly a few jobs in london where i had um i was interviewed because you know it's not it's not something you put on your your cv yeah, yeah no. <laughs> i mean often i'll put i was a part of the paralympic team on my cv and so people will kind of twig but it's you know it's not something you put on a cover letter or anything yeah. like that and it has no ability no impact for, for me to being able to do my job um and you know i remember sitting in interviews just being like oh so you're disabled what what are you not going to be able to do <laughs> and i remember saying to this one guy well apart from lifting heavy boxes and swinging on monkey bars i think i'll probably be okay did you take him back i got up and left at that point oh, really? i was like stuff you out, i'm out of here just the way it was delivered yeah. i was kind of like you don't know you yeah know, like yeah. just go away um, but look, I've been really, oh, I've been really blessed with, the, I'm very, very picky about where I go to work in terms of their culture and the person I'm working for. Yeah. And if I don't feel some kind of click and value alignment, I won't last there very long. I'll yeah. just go because yeah. I just think life's too short to put up with shitty people. Um, so I've definitely had, you know, I've definitely had some people that have, you know, like that situation that have kind of assumed that I couldn't I do, do something. Or... I've also had a lot of people assume that I got to where I am because I've been picked, you know, as the, or they've just hired uh, you because you've oh, got a disability and, you, you know, the, or they yeah. wanted to tick a diversity box or something like that. Um, which again, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. That's your opinion. <laughs> That's, worse. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, you know, you do develop a thick skin over the years. You've yep. got to. Um, 
and I, for me, I'm very secure in who I am, what I'm good at, you know, my value, my, you know, good relationships with my friends and my family. And so anything kind of outside that is just noise, noise really. Yeah. Um, I don't let it get to me too much. 100%. And also, so I know you said um, you meet up with other friends of yours. Mm. Is that a group that you have when you're younger, supporting people? And, yeah. Yeah. and you sort of talk about everything you've done. And, and also going to that, did you find... Original question that people that you know that were born with it had a different mindset to the people that you know that mm. had an injury happen to them or yeah you know after their life yeah definitely so I met a lot of people with disabilities through sport and stuff like that and then you know other people in my non-sport life that have had um, you know you do tend to gravitate towards each other again just through that shared I guess yeah. experience of what it's like to mm. you know um, walk through the world with a disability yeah I think. It de- and it also depends on when people got injured, right? Yeah. I think people who get acquire their disability when they're young kids seem to kind of, you know, kids are just kids and they'll take things at face yeah. value and they'll get on with it. I think people that have... Um, they're older. Older. And I think my observation of people that acquire disabilities, particularly into their late teens and adulthood, is that they've often got to shake their own ideas of what yeah. disability means. Yeah. You know, like they think that their life is over or they think they're not going to be able to do anything anymore because that's what society has told them about people with disability yeah. for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And so they've got to shake their own, that, that shit off for them to be able to move forward. To move forward. Because obviously yeah. when they're younger, you know, their parents yeah. almost take the trauma for them and mm. then obviously kids are wipe it yep. off, they get back up. Yep. But as you're older, you yep. know, because you kind of base on the first 15 years, 16 years of your yep. life, for example, of, you know, being fully able-bodied mm. and these dreams and aspirations mm. are to come, then be mm. taken away from you. It's pretty, pretty tough. Like yeah, I, deflating. Yeah, def- like I can imagine it at mm. seventeen. No. Like it'd be, it'd be, be hard. But yep. you, you do have to make. Yeah. You know, you're capable of so many things. Still. And I think that's it. You've just got to give these people hope and give them, you know, like meaning, meaning and that they're still valued and they're still important and they they can still achieve whatever it is. It might just look a bit different yeah, than yeah. it was going to previously. You yeah. know, like if you want to go be an athlete, go be an athlete. Yeah. It might just be in a different sport now yeah. or a different or a para sport. Yeah. Um, but you know it, and I think the world is becoming a little bit more you know, inclusive and understanding and, you know, even people who are neurodiverse and people with autism and things like that, you know, hopefully, I mean, that I want to get into an anti-vaxxed debate, but it's always been really interesting for me how, you know, that whole, oh, you can't, don't give your kids vaccines because they'll, they'll have autism. And I've always been like, well, I would, what is, why is that the worst thing in the world that could happen? You know, like, why do we think that that is the worst thing that could happen to a child, put aside that they could die from a preventable disease part? But why is that framed as, like, the worst thing in the world? I know heaps of autistic people. They're Mm. rad. They have the most beautiful, creative brains. Like, why are they not, like, why is that framed as something that's so horrible? Yeah. So it's just kind of, and I think that's where we need to keep, kind of going to be educated on yeah. things don't we and you know so for that kid that does acquire that disability they've seen plenty of other people with disabilities thriving they don't have it in their head that this is the worst thing in the world they don't have it in their head that they may as well be dead because it's, you know, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to them it's just like oh okay no worries i'll go and live my life with a disability now that's fine you know i know that that's fine it doesn't have to be a big deal so mm. you know that is what i would love for 
people, you know, who do it with life. Inclusiveness and just, you know, it's just, it's it sucks and you go through the yeah. trauma, but, you know, you enter a world which is a lot more kinder and understanding and, you know, you can just get on with it. Did you think, like, obviously, we, we can always be more educated on everything, a lot of a lot of things in, in, in the world, but is there some things that really stick out to your point that, you know, the people need to be educated or even, like, higher up in yeah. exec positions or big businesses or... That, yeah. Like, Nova, I know Nova Employment do a great mm. thing for people with, you know, have the ability yep. to get jobs and careers. A hundred percent. I think it's just more visibility, right? Like, I think we need to see people with disabilities just in life and not always through a disability context. Yeah. You know, so I know now there's a guy on a wheelchair on ABC News Breakfast who's not the disability reporter. He's, He's a, just a reporter. reporter. Yeah. But that, again, 2022, first time that that's yeah. happened. And it's like, surely there's been another journalist in a wheelchair before then. Yeah. But, you know, often it's the guy in the wheelchair that's the disability reporter. And that's kind of how it's seen. Right, yeah. We just need people with disabilities in our boardrooms, running our companies, yeah. working like I am. In, in high up positions in big roles, you know, and then also looking at how we can integrate people with disabilities. You know, there's so much great technology out there now. There are people who are blind that can go and do computer jobs with screen readers and all sorts of yeah. stuff. There are people, you know, I know some of the big banks have really great um, programs with the autistic community because those, some of those guys are like genius super, with numbers. Smart. Super smart. And like can put patterns together in ways that people yeah. with normal brains, yeah. or not normal, I shouldn't say normal brains, yeah. traditional brains, traditional yeah. brains can't. Yeah. Um, and we just need more and more and more of that. Um, it reminds me because this, I went to, we had a few um, kids in my grade, Ben Hoskins and had cerebral palsy mm. and like, I kind of sometimes run into him and mm. you know he's like I always smile when I see him because he works for local government mm. super smart super intelligent mm. and I can say this honestly and I um, you're going through school you probably I could never picture him doing what mm. he's doing but he's he's way smarter than me and, he's, <laughs> and I saw him driving the car the day and, like, and yeah. he's driving the car and I was just sort of like oh. yeah yeah, and I mean that with great yeah. res- respect. Yeah. Like, I was like, this yeah. is amazing. I was like, yeah. I still want to catch up with him, but yeah. you've seen that. <laughs> but it was in DY, but I was like, it's it's crazy. He's just a smart, intelligent yeah. guy. And I was like, it's true. Like, you know, especially when, you, when you're young, you're probably naive. You haven't got as much yeah. life experience. And not that I've ever looked, I've ever looked down on no. the disability or anything, but it's just that you... You don't know until you know. But you guys are getting the same yeah. messages that we are getting, right? Yeah. Like in a way, you know, there are always the people that are horrible, right? That are going yeah. to call you, a, you know, and I experience that, call you a retard, call you this or you, those people are just, they're up there with racist and misogynist. They're just a lost cause. But then there's everybody else and it's the, the disability of what we call low expectations, yeah. right? But that's because you are also being told. The yeah. same with us through how society frames disability, that that is what you expect of a person with a disability, yeah. right? You guys are as much of a victim of it as I am. Yeah. And so the only way we break through that is by elevating people's profiles and starting to break down those assumptions. Yeah. Um, mm. That's how you move forward. It's not, you know, no one's bad. And my experience with you guys has been the absolute opposite. I've gone into a lot of gyms where trainers will look at me and kind of be like... <laughs> You know, I came in here and straight away you were just like, 
how can we make this work? Yeah. You know, how can we make this work? What can we do? What are ways around things? You know, asking me, not assuming anything, yeah. asking me what I was comfortable with yeah. and just being really proactive and figuring out ways together. And there are things I'm doing in here that I have never done yeah. before. And I wouldn't have thought that yeah. I could do before, mm. but it was through you guys pushing me and coming up with ideas and me going away and going, maybe there is a way I can do that. Yeah and coming in and I'm really enjoying it as a result. Yeah, 100%. That's the best thing with that A&P, like, I think me and Luke are so happy and come back to the business kind of thing, we're quiet. We like lifting heavy weights and like being strong and we love training super hard. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, and I think we wanted this community, like, in our heads at the start, it was like, yeah, younger people, like we thought kind of set of like, you know, that really competitive and did their best and we had to feel really strong teams but what we found is like we've got all that but everyone's just different like mm. we've got some yeah so much diversity it's a diversity and it's like and it's like and like it's just a reflection of you know we love it like we love nice. having different type of people yeah, yeah. we're like, like it's just it's just awesome like that's that's one thing like i'm like we started really embracing the mps like we've got all those things we wanted but you know probably not the same demographic maybe the best yeah. way of saying it not what you originally originally things. thought yeah. not yeah. originally thought we love yeah. that and I love seeing you lift 70, 80 kilos I look like a fuck awesome right. I, don't care. I don't care if you've got one arm <laughs> and when you're screaming and yelling <laughs> and we broke we broke that ski good. for you <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, you okay, made okay, me a ski thanks but the one thing I've done I've like gone to hand you something I'm like fuck and that makes and you probably laugh at me but I feel so I'm like my no. mother still does it. Oh no! It's yeah. fine. Gotta, give you, gotta give you the wrong dumbbell, one arm, two dumbbells. Oh my god! Oh, no, you're an idiot. But I'll I'm, hold something, what? and my mother would be yeah. giving me a glass, and I'll just be like, "It's been Melody. 37 years, mum." Yeah. Like, 37 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Maybe dad came." I was good. Yeah, yeah my dad came. Strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So on that, um, I guess, how did you start here? So I was sitting at home. At the in lockdown in 21 um so i'd have i'd had two babies in three years i was pretty fit leading in to that and then kind of had my first kid really stressful job second kid and had just not made training a priority really at all um and yeah saw i think a post in one of the alambi heights groups saying that you guys are doing some outdoor training and i was like i need to get out of this house the dungeon <laughs> <laughs> and and came over and just I think you know did a first session and turned around and went yeah I'll come twice a week thanks and it's kind of been been like that ever since good. yeah on a on a hundred kilo deadlift <laughs> how long how long have you set that I think I think I think this well hundred percent this year we'll yeah. def, definitely do it this yeah. year yeah definitely do it this year hopefully I want to talk to Jay I actually also um, try and get a squat something for the squat done as well we'll just get a um it's safety bar it's a safety yeah. bar works but i have to bar. rest on the trap and sometimes if she's swinging it can take away it's more so she can hold tight with it but we'll um figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure that out to us. <laughs> 100, 100 kilo squat nah, i think squat nah, dead, nah, nah. probably 80 kilo squat 100 kilo deadlift i think that's what we've got on the want to get her eating 
What's well. what's your goals at the moment? Look, I those and you know it's been so long since I've had strength based goals, and it's so nice. It's so nice not to be focused on just on weight or you know totally. whatever. And yep. I think that's also what I love about this gym, particularly from a female's perspective, is you know if you do the right thing in your training, that kind of stuff will take care of itself. But yep. focusing on something positive and strength based, and you know, is so much better for me mentally than yep. like beating myself up about not being a certain weight or looking a certain way Completely. you know that will come over time but also i also when i'm focused on the other stuff i don't really care so yeah. much about yeah. Yeah. about that so you know i think yeah 100 kilo deadlift for sure um and then if we can get the squat stuff sorted out and for me it's just about with the conditioning work that we do as well like feeling better like not feeling like i'm going die. to die you and pass die. out <laughs> You love that echo. You know what? I'm learning to hate it. I used to call Less. it Judas at yeah, the beginning. Judas, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> that was a or something, yeah. I'm lear- As I get fitter, though, yeah. I'm hating it less. So, you know, to me, that's a weird. That's a big positive. Until Mel ups the calories yeah. on you. Well, I, I just told her, like, don't go, don't power. Just we did. Well, we had a little play around uh, with that this week, easy, didn't we? Ease into it. Yeah. Nah, it's good. I love it. I love it. And you never make excuses. That's the best thing. Mm. You never make excuses. You just train... Well, it's mental. Most of it's mental, right? Your body will do amazing things. Your body's capable of a lot. It's your head. And that, you know, when I trained swimming, that it was so much. You've got to be resilient. You've got to push through. You know, often if I miss a, you know, miss a rep or whatever, I'll come back and do it again because it's, you've got to, it's that getting up and doing it even when you don't want to. That's where the wins are. Definitely. Um, So most of it's mental. It's getting your head right. And, you, and your greatest achievement? My greatest achievement. Two kids. Two kids. Two yeah. boys. <laughs> Although two boys, they're annoying two me boys. this week, so I don't know. And, and they're annoying you? <laughs> Take the zoo. No, yeah, I did. <laughs> What's, what are some like life lessons you'd love to teach them? What do you sort of pass down through your things? Yeah, I thought, you know, for me, I think resiliency is really important. Yeah. And I'm kind of really starting to reflect. My oldest one's going to start school next year starting to reflect on how he will grow up very different to me you know he doesn't have a disability he's got a pretty comfortable life how am i going to build that resiliency in him because my you know my resiliency muscle was built through you know having to deal with bullying and you know i had some other family breakdown issues when i was younger so and as hard as that was at the time it was served me so well as an adult because i just get up and keep going and get up and keep going get up and keep going and so for me you know i want to build that in my kids um, without traumatic experiences if possible. <laughs> so, so that will be, um, that's a really big focus for me is mm. resiliency and and hard work and kindness are probably the three that things that I really work with them yeah. on, you know, just always be kind, but put in, put in the work, like nothing's handed to you. Yeah. Nothing is ever handed to you. And when you get knocked down, get back up again. You know, don't quit. Don't quit. Just keep going. Just keep going. And, well, you know, quit if it's not good for you anymore. <laughs> I think yeah, that's always a good point. But, um, yeah, and so they're both, particularly my oldest one, is pretty sporty, pretty sporting yeah. client. So I'm definitely thinking about funneling him into sort of some of that stuff. And, you know, s- sport does build that resilience. Yeah. You've got to deal with loss. You've got to deal with training. You've got to keep pushing. So it's definitely, definitely want them involved in that, just sort of build that resiliency muscle and 
yeah, we'll just we'll see what little people they become. They're still yeah. sort of becoming themselves. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just kind of let that happen. Voice of that sport, mm. it teaches so many life oh, lessons. Hundred percent. So Even if you're not good at it, it doesn't matter. Like it's not the point. You no. know. Yeah. yeah. So many life lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you still swim today? <laughs> not really. No? It's funny. I can't get in a pool and just do laps. Even after I haven't yeah. swum competitively for nearly 20 years Find it boring or just no I've got to just do sets and the time and oh. the clock and like I can't it's so ingrained in my brain that I can't just be like oh, I'll just go and swim, swim 10 laps like it's like yeah. no no I must do like four sets of 100 on two minutes of like the, yeah, <laughs> just okay. like I go straight back into like that mentality but um I, I do so I swim a lot more in my pregnancies um but yeah I kind of I go through fits you know where I'll swim heaps and then I won't swim again for like a year so. Do you think you'll ever coach again? I would love to coach. I almost, when I finished uni, I was actually offered a, a coaching position with an in, a, a sports institute. Okay. And I kind of had a bit of a, you know, do I take that road or do I go down the road that I was ultimately on now? Um, and it really came down to me just being sick of 5 a.m. starts yeah. after, oh. you know, 10 years of, yeah. of them. Um, but I would... You relate. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Um, but I would love, and I think, you know, if my kids sort of get back in, if they choose swimming and, you know, that might be a way Something back in. Something went wrong. Please try again. It sure did. Oh, <laughs> but I'd love, I'd love to coach. I'd, yeah, I'd love coaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the sport. Like, I still watch it all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I still know, yeah. I'm, I'm not around it as much anymore because sort of most of the people that I was either around with or that sort of came after me that I was sort of around with coaching and kind of moved through. Um, and But, uh, but yeah, I still really enjoy watching it. So hopefully I'll be able to plug back into it soon. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a great sport. I work with a couple of swimmers. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hard sport. Like, tough. I mean, tough. I'm training one kid at the moment. He's 14. And yeah. They're doing eight to ten sessions a week. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's like the bare minimum yeah. you need to do at yeah. that stage to actually be taken to the next level. You know? 100%. It's one of yeah, the most on. heavy load training load sports, I yeah. think. Like, there's a lot of heavy training loads, but swimming, swimming is full on. Like, it's four, yeah. f- you know, four plus hours a day at least. And when you look at, I mean, don't get me wrong, winning a gold medal at the Olympics, <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yes. Making the Olympics, amazing. But if you're comparing it to sports, say soccer, mm. rugby league, things like that, where the money side of things mm. is huge, yeah. it's a lonely there's sport. not a lot. Not to a lot be of made yeah. in sports like your swimming yeah. and gymnastics, you know, 100%. where you actually need to put in so many, probably so many more hours, yeah, yeah, to get somewhere, yeah, you know, it. in comparison to these sports. So I think, you know, there probably needs to be something changed there to. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I think any amateur, it's got to be. There's got to be a huge amount of intrinsic motivation, right? Because there's not much kind of like there's not much extrinsic like you know money that's coming or even fame really i mean even the swimmers these days you know aren't anywhere near as high profile as they used to be i was a 25 minute specialist i reckon you'd be a good splasher (laughs) (laughs) i was good 25 meters i was good 25 minutes shoulders Colorado's pearls, right? Could you dive? Belly dive, I dive. Yeah, but it's not very graceful. <laughs> There's like a lot of water came up. Yeah, you don't want to imagine. Um, to cap off this amazing interview, 
I would say it's amazing if you're having you. And obviously, Luke, I've just been great. here. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, what's a bit of advice you'd give someone to growing up? And, you know, hopefully someone's listening here. So, you know, it gets, has a bit of you know, a tough time or disability. You know, they're going through some. What's a bit of advice coming for someone like you that's had such an awesome life, Paralympian, um, high level in their job? Yeah. Um, what's a bit of advice you can I think, you know, find your people would probably be my, you know, Mm. my first piece of advice. You know, you don't need everyone to like you or understand you or anything like that. Find your people and, and, you know, that have your back and get you and that will support you. Um, And once you've got that, you will, all the other stuff will not matter as much. Um, I think that's, that's really it. And just keep pushing. Don't, you know, you know yourself better than anyone else. You know what you're capable of. Um, and that's really all that matters nice. at the end of the day. Um, and just that, I think it comes back to that, that resiliency piece. You know, if, you've, yeah. if you know yourself and you've got people around you that know and love you, that's what you hang on to, that's what you focus on and you keep moving forward. And, you know, all of those voices or doubters or bullies or whatever, um, you know, it's so funny the amount of people that bullied me at high school that have wanted to become my best friend yeah, over the years yeah. as I've succeeded. And, you know, it's I've got a lot of grace and I'm like, oh, you know, good, lovely, lovely to see you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, ultimately your success is the only thing that matters, not other people's yeah. opinions. 100%. Yeah. Mm. Lovely way to cap off. Thanks, guys. It's been great. It's been great having you on. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. I'll be nice on Tuesday. <laughs> me, Monday. <laughs> exactly, that's me. <laughs> um, thanks, guys, for listening in. Like, subscribe, share. And share. If you want to come in for a session, message one of us. Oh, and obviously with um, this, we've got our big charity boot camp, guys, where we actually – partnered up with Sunnyfield Disability Services yep. just in a road. Um, so far, we've already raised over $3,500, which is amazing. Um, the money is going to their Get Active program. So basically, that program is not funded by the government. No. Okay, no. so it relies on donations and yep. things, all right? The program enables people with disabilities um, to get out and get into sporting activities, yeah. um, funds for equipment, things like that. So really, really important. Um, but we are doing a big charity event on the 12th of March, Saturday, 8 a.m. kickoff. It's $20 per person pay on the day. So if you are keen, guys, um, there's a link on our website. Jump on, confirm your dates, come in. Yeah. Um, if you can't session. make it, any donations are welcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the details on the website, guys, but it would be really yeah, good. Yeah, it'd be an amazing day just to get a local community and, you know, support an issue if that's... Yeah, a bit of know. a session, a bit of a barbecue and, um, yeah, get everyone together for a really good cause. Everyone loves a snag. <laughs> Do you love a snag? I love a few snags. And a steak sandwich as <laughs> well. Yeah, a bit a of barbecue sandwich sauce. Well. Specialty. <laughs> Edit that part out. It's good. All right. Thank you again, Nicole. Thank you. It's been thank great. You. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. All right, team. Thank you.